You're listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Crawford. In this episode, I interview writer and fly angler River Horse Nakadate, and we discuss everything from writing, fly fishing, and some really interesting new film projects River Horse is working on to bring attention to the environmental threats to our fisheries. This episode of The Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Flood Tide Company. Do some good, clean living. Head over to floodtide.com and find some apparel for your next adventure. Hello. Hey, River Horse. Yeah, what's happening, Rick? Hey, how are you? Very good. What are you guys doing over there? Uh, well, I've got a uh, pocket over here eating a sandwich and uh, just making all kinds of background noise that we'll, we'll get questions about later. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm just hanging out over here at uh, Flood Todd's office, and Paul was uh, kind enough to let me use his, his – his, yeah, Paul's uh, my production assistant and uh, kind enough to let me use his recording equipment. That's exciting because the last time I was on his radio show, it was good. Forgot to turn on the microphone. <laughs> now, speaking of which, we do have the microphone and everything turned on, and we're recording because Riverhorse says the last time uh, he recorded with y'all, there was a Sans microphone issue. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, well, how's your day going? Oh, man, it's a good day. Another day in Texas. It's a rough life, buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, someone's got to do it. Might as well be you. Well, I figure I've got a truck and a canoe and a skiff and a fly rod and a guitar. And I'm probably doing, you know, if you look at all the history of the world, I'm probably doing better than 99% of people that walk the earth. So <laughs> This is true. I'm happy and grateful. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to be. Anyone, anyone, Anyone listening here, you know, just basically the Sustainable Angler, this podcast is... Um, really created this with the intent to just educate and create more awareness about environmental threats to our fisheries and um, also talk to some interesting people um, about some, you know, some, some, some things they're doing to, to mitigate those risks and share some, some success stories. So um, with that, uh, River Horse, I'll just go ahead and, you know, there, there may be some people who haven't read your, your work in the Fly Fish Journal and, and, and other publications, but, uh, why don't we just start off with you uh, just telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, you know, I'm just another run-of-the-mill Cherokee Viking boy from Texas who's a <laughs> tree-hugger fly fisherman. You know, we're a dime a dozen down here. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where I was born and raised, and I, I think that sense of place, you know, growing up with so much water uh, helped me become who I was. I was always crazy for literature and, and books, and... and um, by high school, I was publishing stories, and I realized that was a way that I could just travel around the world and, and see how beautiful the earth is, and that's never seemed to change. I feel like every day I'm either on some adventure or just riding or working towards that, so it's a really good life. Yeah, that's uh, that's certainly not a bad way to do it. I've, I've, I've read a lot of your, your uh, I don't want to just call it stuff, but I've read a lot of your pieces, I guess I should say, and um, really, uh, really inspiring writing and, 
Um, also, you know, just happened to mention the, the Fly Fish Journal. I just saw your uh, your video that y'all just came out with, which was um, really beautiful. Um, how did uh, how did how did that come about? Well, I mean, it's pretty awesome when those guys want to come down and, and celebrate Texas with me. Um, that was just kind of a love poem to home. You've got like Liam Gallagher was the filmmaker, and he shot in some old Super Eight, and Kopi, who's the photo editor there. Is a really cool soul. Um, I think Gaja. Do you know Chris Gaja? Yes, I know Chris. G- I, I I've been calling him Gagia. So am I mispronouncing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. But anyway, you know, Gaja is a beautiful soul and a good friend. And he, uh, you know, Patagonia just knocks it out of the park with what they do to support people like us. So. Them and Yakima and Timber all put it together, and, and we got to do that film, and I played some guitar in it, and those guys didn't even tell me, you know, my music was going to be in the film. I was in the living room just cranking it up, and they rolled film, and of course, they put that in the movie, but that's fine, but I hope people enjoy it, and you know, it's a non-trout movie. I think there's so much range of fishing in this world and even within our country that it's finally nice to be a part of a film that shows all that stuff so but Firefish Journal I mean that's the end of the line for beauty and writing and fly fishing and Jeff Galbraith uh, publishes those three different magazines and those guys are just wonderful and even Duda had been there for years my editor there and <clears throat> that's guy, that guy's about as brilliant and as good as you can get as an editor and how Jason's there so it was such an honor to share my words in that magazine. I'm still fascinated every time I'm in there. You know, it's such a cool magazine. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's something that is one of the magazines that I read cover to cover uh, every time it comes in the mail. It's uh, it's it's I don't know. I, I just feel like they do such a good job of um, expressing how maybe people who aren't who are unable to express themselves. And that way, just how, how we all feel, you know, as, as, as fly anglers. Yeah, and a lot, I mean, I figured out early on that I was always into seeking the most emotional content from life and the highest quality, whether it's with, with the words I'm writing or whatever. And that's a magazine that does that. You know, they stand for that. And that's what my life's been about. I'm like, what is what is the canoe that, that rides the most beautifully in this water? What is the poetry? What are the music? And as far as the writing, like that's the magazine that gets it. So I just love being a part of that with those guys. Absolutely. And, and, and also with the, the film too, that y'all just uh, released, what, what was the name of it? I I don't think we mentioned that yet. Um, that was Love and Water, and, and there's a line in there in the narration where I just said basically that well, that's what my life is about, is love and water. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm old school, but I feel that love is really all that matters in this life, and that's what we're here for. So uh, that's where we got the title. Yeah, and, and and I agree completely, and that kind of falls in line with, with you know, what we'll, what we'll get into a little bit today is, you know, I think— uh, when it comes to love, you know, people want to protect what they love. So um, we'll, we'll we'll get into some of that um, here here in a little bit. But um, well, I know uh, we had talked about a little bit. Um, you've got some other really cool projects going on, and 
Um, wanted to see if you wouldn't mind elaborating on some of that because I think it really falls in line with with what we're trying to do here at the uh, the Sustainable Angler. Um, and you mentioned something to me um, about a few projects, so I'll, I'll just I got some bullet notes here. So what about the uh, the Boundary Waters uh, project that you're working on? Well, so the Boundary Waters, I was there. This will be the third summer that I've been up there. I'm fascinated with that wilderness. And two years ago, I had I sold 62 miles as far as I could go all the way into Canada and back. And I had just come out of the wilderness and was in some field making coffee and had my canoe and gear and I was drying out everything. And I see this guy and his wife walk up with their little boy and... Um, he said later they thought I was a homeless guy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, hey, hey, what's going on here? I said, man, I just canoed 62 miles. It was just gorgeous. Caught all these smallmouth bass. There's fish pike everywhere. Like It was beautiful. There were waterfalls. And I'm River Horse, nice to meet you. And he says, holy cow, I read all your stuff, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, that's cool. And he says, I'm Tony Check, uh, the filmmaker. And I said, I know about you. And this is a guy who's made films for... Lonely Planet, Red Bull, North Face, you know, Toyota, Tundra commercials and crews. This is A-game territory. Those guys that drop in on helicopters. So I said, I would like to come back here and fish it again next summer. And he said, that's where he's from. So within a couple of weeks, I just said, let's do something to help out this Boundary Waters. I'll, I'll put my words and my adventures together with your filmmaking and let's do a personal project and for the people that don't know, um, I think 20% of our freshwater in all the national forest system is up in the boundary waters. Really? And, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's like 1.1 million gallons up there, and let alone how beautiful Lake Superior is on the way up. But they've got sulfide or copper mining leases up there. They're talking about putting up those mines at the headwaters, which would be just devastating. They're going to even one little mine there could pollute that area for five years. And if you do have the mining, you're going to have train and rail lines that come in there to do the work. And then you've got toxic pilings. Um, you're leaching sulfuric acids. There's heavy metals. That's all called hard rock mining. And that's, you know, that hard rock mining contributes to more Superfund sites than anything in the world. So that's no good. It's such a critical habitat. And that's, a great ecosystem and it's just irreplaceable so we're doing this film it's like a three-year project and i'm just trying to show the beauty of that area and fish it but just just bring to light to a bigger uh, audience what's going on and what's at stake up there and there's the save the boundary waters organization and there's a gal named lauren eggard up there who's helping us get permits and working with us with some of the local people but I mean, I should say, you know, with mining, there's some awesome people, just like any industry that up there and they need jobs and they want to feed their families. So I'm going to do this project with Tony, but I don't have the answers for all the people. I don't, I don't know that yet. And I'm open-minded to it. And I'm not saying as one, one way is right over the other, but I don't believe in that mine. I don't think that's the place to put that stuff when there's something so sacred that we can't recover from if we mess it up so that's what that film's about and just to work with Tony when I when I get to do films with that guy somebody that brilliant everything makes sense so 
I, I'm just, it's really cool to be up there. And, and I fish so much while I'm there. So you say we're making a movie, but I'm really camping and fishing. So it's not that bad of a life. <laughs> no, that's certainly a good way to do it. And, and you know, so, something um, that you said, which brings up a interesting point, um, you know, that I think this film, I think, hopefully is going to show um, uh, a lot of people what we're up against with, you know, growing worldwide population. You know, how do we uh, protect certain areas from whether it's mining, development, oil, you know, oil and gas? Um, you know, there are some places that should be left alone. And um, from what I know of Boundary Waters, I've never visited it. I've just read things and, you know, kind of. I know about the Save the Boundary Waters is basically what I know about it. But, um, you know, I think it's important to you know, set places aside um, so that they're not developed because we're going to continue to run into these issues. Um, as, like I said, as world population continues to grow, how are we going to you know, provide um, for everyone? So it, it certainly poses an interesting uh, question. Yeah, and you look at the research that's coming out all over about what happens to our hearts and souls when we get out in wilderness and nature instead of this world where it's all technical and cell phones and screen time and you get out in nature and it changes everything. There's nothing more restorative and healing and nurturing than that. So we have to have these resources for us. You know, we've got issues of overfishing and deforestation and we gotta we gotta do some things different now it's time yeah yeah well yeah it, it, it definitely is um well what about uh, sorry to, to to shift gears a, a little bit but um one of the projects I'm, I'm, re I'm really interested in learning more about that you're working on um is uh global warming in the in the arctic circle oh uh, i mean so i'm talking about so this is another film with Tony, and that's going to be uh, this summer as well. Last summer, I was fortunate enough to go up to Swedish Lapland, and there's a guy up there named Hakan Stenlin, who's just a beautiful soul. He's a photographer and writer and hunter and fisherman, and he was a Patagonia ambassador for a while. I know he's good friends with Chenard, and he's up there with Lars Monk, and they've got a tourist board. So I met up with them, and I was just fishing through the area, and running crazy for a couple of weeks, but um, we had, we got to have supper with the Sami tribe. Who's a tribe that's, uh, I think they were first mentioned in historically in literature about 98 AD. Really? That's about 2,600. Yeah, it's about 2,600 people. And they make their living just uh, following reindeer, like the Native Americans here follow the buffalo. And they follow the reindeer all over and they coastal fish and fur trap, but they're also known for their music and craft works and their language. So I'm fascinated with that, being Cherokee, Viking. And I got to have meals with these guys and, and look at uh, <clears throat> their, they showed me photos and slides and talked me through the history. And it's pretty heartbreaking and almost takes your breath away. But, um, they think that in the next 20 years, because of the environment, the climate change, that the way the snow up there freezes, melts, freezes, now there's the layers of ice on it. Mm -hmm. And the reindeer can't paw their way through to the lichens. So they can't. They think within the next 20 years they won't have those reindeer. And that's how they've lived. And they've already been through one disaster 
It might date you a little bit. Do you remember the Russian uh, Chernobyl nuclear disaster? Sure, sure. Okay, so when Chernobyl hit, Russia, Norway, Sweden, uh, they're, Finland, they're all together in that same area. Russia's at the top right corner. And there happened to be a storm that happened after Chernobyl and carried in the air those radioactive elements that landed in Lapland, and they worked their way into the lichen. So even at that point, they told the Sami tribe, like, hey, this is, we're going to have some radioactive reindeer. We don't know if you can eat these deer for the next however many years. And you know, imagine if that's the equivalent of somebody telling us here in the States, hey, the grocery stores are radioactive, so we don't know if you can eat anymore. you got to figure it out. You know, what are you going to do? Right. Those guys have been through enough, but they're a beautiful group of people, and I want to go back there and not only just fish hard and, and show that stunning beauty of, of Lapland, but I want to talk about this stuff and, and bring that to light as well. And and so you have to pardon my ignorance here, but what what were y'all targeting um, while you were up there fishing as well? Oh, my gosh. I was up there. A lot of that I was solo, but I'm crazy for huge eats. That's why I love bass, barracuda. Yeah. I like giant predatory fish. And even in all the little canals and ditches up there, there's giant pike. So I'm up there with deer hair frogs just rocking these huge pike. And there's no, there's 24 hour sunlight. I didn't sleep for the first four days I was there. I couldn't stop fishing. I was going crazy. And, and there's beautiful salmon and giant grayling and Arctic char. And if you hold an Arctic char in your hand, I mean, you're just going to. It'll stop your breath, those beautiful colors. And I was hiking up into all these Arctic lakes. So I just, those rivers, the Baltic Sea, there's so much gorgeous fishery. And um, of all the places I've traveled, other than Africa, which really just mesmerized me, I feel like Lapland is just the most beautiful wilderness. And it's just so spread out and such good people that. I, I just want to figure out a way to get back there as much as possible. Even just to see those guys, Hakan and Laris, but there's something up there that's, that's unbelievably beautiful. That film, I mean, I'm excited to do it. And these projects are just, you know, they're really, I want my work to illuminate the beauty of the earth, but I want to really bring awareness and protect it. And I just kind of, I get to do the things I love. I mean, I think since I was born, I had a problem with wanderlust. I've just been running wild since day one. So all of this works together and it feels right and it makes sense to me. Yeah, no, ab- ab- absolutely. Um, that is uh, the, the, the Arctic char. I mean, I've only seen images, but that's uh that's certainly on my, my my bucket list. I don't know when I'll ever be able to make that happen, but uh, that's uh, that's awesome that you're able to get up there and and uh, and make a film about uh, what's happening and uh, shed light. Same thing with Boundary Waters, you know, shed light on this. And I think film's a great medium to do it. And with your um, writing ability, it should be really powerful. So I'm I'm stoked to see that. Thank you, and I'm just honored to even be able to do that work and be supported by different people. And a lot of this is just straight out of pocket, which is fine with me. You know, I don't mind funding all this because I feel like it's our job to take care of each other in this world, and we we need to do that. And you can't live your life just for yourself. You have to be 
giving and, and finding ways to do that, giving back to the world for even this miracle of being here. So that's everything to me. There's one more film project. There's three on tap right now. I've got another one that, you know, close to home. Um, I love going to anything in the Gulf, but even Louisiana. And they've had, over the last couple hundred years, their wetland, the loss over there has been uh, just shocking. I think they've lost 33 miles of coastal wetlands in the past few years. And um, I don't have all the answers to that, but it's something I'm really researching and talking to people. And I think the way just from storms and whatnot, I think the Gulf of Mexico's coastal lands by Louisiana, I think by the time of 2040, even their commercial fisheries could decline by 30%. And we're talking about 50,000 jobs that are related to fishing and processing it and wholesale activities. So all this is at risk. Then you've got in those areas, they provide us food staples and basic minerals. You got sugar, rice, salt, Sulfur. You don't even think of that from Louisiana, and all that comes from there. And um, unbelievable populations of migratory birds and wildlife that are absolutely dependent on those marshes and swamps. So if we get, you know, if that land goes away, there's just this chain of events that's going to be heartbreaking. So, plus the fisheries, unbelievable. And I think their motto is a state of sportsman paradise. But I, I can't wait to. That's the third piece that I want to work on, but that's something a lot closer to home. And even with, you know, like I said, I don't have the answers to everything, but our, the oil industry down here has awesome people working hard, breaking their backs, feeding their families. And I know my hypocrisy. I drive this big four-door truck and use up a bunch of gas, but I want to figure that out too. Like that industry, as far as I understand it, and... We've gone from 2 billion barrels a year that we produce to almost 3.5 billion in just in just five years of uh, the past. But I think that was 2010 to 2015. But because of a single thing that's gone on, they call it tight oil, that hydraulic fracturing, we're able to get 10,000 feet below the ground now through water lines and to get to this oil. And I mean, immediately, I don't have all the science, but immediately, Immediately to me, that sounds wrong. That sounds inappropriate. Um, you got earthquakes, there's toxicity. You've got water lines, water tables compromised. And I'm pretty sure that the emissions just from that fracking are equivalent to 60 million cars in one year. I was reading about it. And I don't know, how do you even, how do you even fathom those kinds of numbers and the chemicals and toxicity we're releasing on the environment? So, like I said, I don't have the answers. And I love what oil has done as far as providing for people down here and me, because that petroleum's in all our products, fly rods, you name that. Like, these are great things they've achieved with this, but we only have one earth. This is our, this is our home and, you know, we got to make change. So I'm trying to talk to people and figure out those answers. And I just feel like, don't know what's inside of me, but I feel like I'm going to make a big difference with these movies and reach these people. And I believe in us as humans and our hearts. And I think we can do this. I just know for sure we can turn it around. Whether one of these like awesome, these crazy generations that are all technology, these kids coming up, but wish one of them would invent some CO2 extracting machine and 
save the planet that way. Something's going to get like, we're going to get this, whether it's more solar and electricity and, you know, I, I just think we're going to crack the code here, but we got to be willing to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, that that's part of the, um, you know, part of this is we will figure it out, but we also have to be cautious that we can't become, um, too reliant on, Hey, you know, someone's going to swoop in and, and, and save, save the day. Um, so, which is why we're having this conversation, right? We want people to start thinking about these things and, you know, well, why is that? Why are we an oil economy? And, you know, yes, it's how we, uh, developed our, our nation and our economy, but now we're to the point where we're realizing the impact that that had. So now the next question becomes, you know, well, how do we do it different? And, um, how can we use that to, to drive innovation and, and make positive impact? And like you said, these, you know, new generation that's coming up, you know, I mean, they're on a different, you know, they, they just grew up in a different world. You know, they just grew up with computers and everything at the, and the internet at the, at the palm of their hand. So there's no telling what's going to happen, but, um, I do think that what you're doing and, um, and, and, and making an impact, it's important for people to understand that, you know, yes, um, sure. You know, I, I, I drove to work today in, in a car, I used gas, you know, but what are, what are ways that, you know, I can make an impact? And I think um, part of that is starting to ask more questions, you know, um, you know, just question the status quo. I mean, you know, it, it, it could be as simple as that to start the conversation. I mean, I feel so much these days is swept under the rug. And I've met a lot of people down here that don't believe in global warming and I just don't even I'd look at them like are you kidding me like 99% of scientists are rolling with this it's not it's fact based you guys and they just right. I don't understand how all this we're not even having these conversations a lot of the time so I just shake my head but it doesn't mean that I know more than these people I just said I don't agree with you and these are the reasons why and let's look at the data and you have children and grandchildren and people you love and care about and we got to We got to do this. We got to make change. So it's just never, you know, even you remember the BP horizon spill, that deep water horizon, they made a movie and oh, yeah. um, there's, there's been a spill when hurricane Ivan happened, there was an offshore platform that uh, sank in a mudslide triggered by that hurricane and that was in 2004. This is 2018. That's 12 miles off the Louisiana coast. And just that is still leaking 300 to 700 barrels of oil a day. Yeah. So that's, I think it's called the Taylor Offshore Spill. That's threatening to overtake the Deepwater Horizon as the largest disaster spill ever. And nobody even talks about it. And it's 300 to 700. As far as I know, like maybe they're finally getting the cap in it. But where are those conversations? Where is that media? How is this acceptable? That's the Gulf. That body of water feeds. You know, it'll go around the Gulf Stream in Florida and into those beautiful areas of Yucatan and Mexico down there. Like, where? How is this not on the front page? I, it's not I, fake news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, no. This is super duper real news. Um, I, uh, I, I actually heard about that recently, and I was the same thing. I was like, "Are you kidding? Like, how is this not like?" I'm just hearing about this. Like this happened in 2004. This is still leaking. Like, I mean, so it also, you know, to me, it starts thinking about, well, if that's just one, I mean, you know, how many others are leaking and 
it just never makes the news, you know, and that that's quite literally not sustainable. You know, I mean, you just can't, you, you can't, I, 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 I just feel like why are humans the only ones that foul our own nest? You know, animals get it. <laughs> Don't shit where you eat. Yeah. You know, when I drive past some of those refineries, to, they're just marvels. I mean, I don't agree with, you know, I want to make change, but there's such a genius technology and in, in what they've created and what they're doing with that resource that I think, well, why can't we use this intelligence to do something different? I even read where they think maybe algae can be a power source and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's organic and we can produce the heck out of algae and don't know how feasible that ultimately would be, but I believe in that stuff. But just think there's so much firepower and knowledge and so much great, you know, just great wisdom out there that we just have to kind of re-channel that, you guys. And and we're all here to, we all want to live and we all want to enjoy this earth. So I, don't, I would just think we're all on the same page with that. We just need to work together. So, but back, you know, this Gulf and even Texas, I think it's 380 miles of pretty much a linear curved coastline that I get to enjoy and, and it all symbiotically feeds itself. So, I mean, you just, you cannot believe the beauty and solitude that's down here. And that's what I was, Liam, we were trying to show in that fly fish journal film, just like, this is Texas. I think people have no idea as far as fly fishing what we've got. So I hope that came across even in some of that drone footage. Well, it, it definitely did for me. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've never spent any time in Texas other than like a layover or something in Dallas. So, um, it definitely opened my eyes to just the, the landscape and how beautiful it is. And, you know, but also for me, relatable being in the Southeast, um, you know, with bass fishing and redfish, but, um, I, I, it sort of opened my eyes. So I, I, I assume it did the same for others. Yeah, and there's been a couple of disasters over in Charleston when I visited Paul. Have you heard about those? The two times I've come to visit, I've gotten skunked. Like, haven't caught a redfish. <laughs> so, I know, I'm, I just said, why Why am I here, you guys? Like, why don't you just come back to Texas? And then, of course, Paul visits me and catches endless fish when I've got him in the canoe. So, <laughs> you have some work to do. You guys have some work to do with me. I hear all this talk about Charleston and these great companies and all the art and pictures and I get over there and get skunked. So I am I am not a believer in that fishery yet. I'll have to come back and test it. <laughs> well, you'll have to come back and visit. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can change your luck. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm hard, I love hardcore boots on the ground and I go with all of my heart. And when I was there, those guys, we got to have all this barbecue at home team and drank some ales and did fun stuff and recorded music but i told the guys like how i be fishing and they said well there's this two-hour window and we're gonna it's gonna be the right tide and i said i don't really care about the tide like just drop me off on a on an oyster bar and i'll walk up and down it and i'll fish and swim and those guys just said you're crazy it's not you know you could do that but we don't do it and i just thought well i'd do it so <laughs> drop me off <laughs> i just got out of the boat and just laughed and went fishing and they're just like you're funny <laughs> Um, that's awesome. Well, well, something that just, uh, that did just pop in my head, actually, when we were just talking about this, um, about just all the environmental threats, 
Um, and you mentioned, you know, hey, there could be different technologies and, you know, there's algae and, and all this. Um, I just started reading it uh, about a month ago, but it's a book called, uh, if anyone listening, um, it's called Project Drawdown. And it was edited uh, by this guy called Paul Hawken, who I've read some of his other books, uh, The Ecology of Commerce. Anyway, it's 100 climate change solutions, and they got like 300 researchers or something crazy and, um, you know, basically figured out the economic impact, which was all beneficial, and it's 100 different strategies to tackle climate change by 2050. Um, So interesting read um, if you're into that. Um, I certainly am, and, you know, it's everything from – you know, regenerative agriculture to solar farms to wind farms to, I mean, just anything. And they thought it out and they're like, basically, here's the playbook. Like, we can make it happen. Like, what's stopping us from doing this? Um, so just thought I'd throw that out there um, for anyone interested in, in, in that kind of stuff. There's just stocking stuff right there. Let's do it. Let's spread around there. <laughs> yeah, here you go, everyone. Start right. Send a copy to your, ele- your elected official and say, here we go. Let's do this. Um, it's actually not a bad idea. Maybe we, sh- maybe we should do that. Uh, here's your copy. Uh, sounds like sounds like a wonderful book, and I, I just wrote it down. I'm all over that. So um, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's super cool. Um, well, so we've talked a lot about um, environmental threats and, and, and things that are happening to, to our fisheries, um, but we haven't, I haven't really dug in with you too much about just fishing, right? Because, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the places you went and species you targeted, but um, want to know, so I got a glimpse of Texas fly fishing with Love and Water, the film, um, but what are, what, what's your favorite I think I know the answer to this, but I'll, I'd like to know what's your favorite saltwater species to catch on the fly? Well, I mean, obviously, but primarily I'm out there chasing redfish, but um, so I guess I would say that's my favorite. But even, you know, I'll go out looking for schools of jacks and out of the canoe, and those fish are just pretty same old thing, they're predatory. They can drag you for miles, and I do love juvenile tarpon. We don't get a lot of juveniles here, but I'm not a fan of, you know, I don't think you need to catch a 100-pound fish or anything like that. I'm just not that record chaser, but you catch in an intimate marsh or mangrove setting, you catch a 20 to 30-pound tarpon and skinny water, and that'll just, it'll be an unforgettable experience for you, so... I'm a fan of everything, just that, that beautiful range of fish we have. And that's why you know, I'm crazy for bass. I'm out there on these gorgeous lakes and we've got old growth, 50 foot tall pine trees and places. So I don't, I'm not that person. I don't think you can nail me down to having a favorite anything. And I feel that about our country. Like there's just such a range of beauty from the West down to the South and in the East Coast that, that we can access here. So but definitely redfish. I mean, that's that's my saltwater bread and butter out of the canoe. And I to see that, that fish take off, I threw sight cast him in that skinny marsh and three lits of water flying to the air and you get sunshine and you got some brisket and some beers in the cooler. And I just think, I feel like it should be illegal. I feel like the police are going to show up and say, River Horse, <laughs> this is too fun. Your life is too good. 
you're going to jail. Like, this is illegal. I just feel that. Just, I cherish it that much and feel so fortunate to have it. And I just, I see things out there that are so beautiful. You know, I'll sit there for forever instead of fishing, just watching birds eat and stalk. And I can't breathe. It's so beautiful out there. So I'm just so glad we're here. And I know we're talking about these dire circumstances of problems in the earth and things we want to uh, illuminate and work on. But even still, these ecosystems, there are so many fish and birds, and it is so strong and healthy despite all that we've done with civilization. That I just, can you imagine what it could be like if we really turn the tide on this? So, I tell you. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I think it goes back to what we were sort of you know talking about at the beginning of the conversation i mean i think that uh you protect what you love and you know the more you're outside the more you're out there and enjoying fishing um i think that's pretty much why most anglers have sort of a a conservation ethos and um you know want to want to protect it because you know you just couldn't i certainly couldn't um imagine life without those opportunities so um certainly a a a worthy endeavor yeah there's some other fish down here that people don't talk about but much but there's a the spanish mackerel and do you guys have them up there you must have them yeah we do so they've got these turquoise uh circles in them and even these staggered triangles of fin and, and body structure on their flanks and they're great eaters. They they really chow down when you when you present the fly well, and um, those fish are shimmering. They're like small jewels, just little miracles. And I never caught. I don't think they get that big. I mean, they're in the the Mac family, but um, God, those are cool fish. I just fascinated with those. And even sometimes we get bluefish down here that you guys have on the east coast, and those fish are so strong and. I love the shape of their their head and their eyes and just the way their lips are. They're almost they've got their lips are formed even a little bit by like bass and that's one of the things that I love looking at in Paul's paintings. Yeah. How he, you know, approaches their lines of their symmetry and their bodies. And if you look at Paul's work, a lot of times he kind of accentuates some of those uh parts of those fishes' bodies and, and there's other artists who just kind of stick to the line. I think I've seen Paul's work that um, he draws on those and highlights them and they kind of pop. There's more dimension to them. So I feel that when I see these different fish, I just, I almost, you know, you have that moment where you hold them in your hands and they're looking at you and, and uh, they're all different wild creatures. They're just miracles for sure. Yeah. I've, I couldn't agree more with you, um, especially with Paul's work too. It's 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 Paul Puckett, everyone. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, really is a miracle. Um, and and speaking of which, what are, what are, what are your uh, what's your what's your freshwater miracles that you like to to hold? <laughs> Ten pound bass. Yeah. <laughs> Ten pound bass. Well, I've caught them on fly rod that size, and and when you. Let me tell you, it gets it gets pretty exciting when you get a, a big girl like that on there. And I use those uh, stage bluegill rods, those little seven foot bass fishing rods. I use their smallest one, and so 
I just love approaching fish like that because you're going to feel them vibrate and, and, and through your hands and forearms and you feel that fish in your body while you play those, those bass. So I just, or I'm bass crazy. I know you saw it in the film and that was just the tip of the iceberg and we stuck fish for eight days and, you know, it's just, it's a short little movie, but uh, Texas and bass are something else. And you guys have, when I was visiting you guys, I Googled, from flood tide and found some bass lakes and I said, Hey guys, can we walk over here and fish this? And they said, Oh, we never thought of that. And I was like, look at it. There's bass right down the street, but we should be there now. And they're all, we're doing our work. And I was like, well, I'm not. Well, so I'm going bass fishing. Yeah. See you later. Um, there, there's actually a little pond behind their new, uh, their new office location and showroom. Um, so maybe we'll get You're some. No, no, I mean, it's super small, but, um, I'm I'm willing to try anything to 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 feel some. Throw some bluegill in there, even. Yeah, yeah. Anything to get a a little electricity on the end of the line. Uh, I mean, if I were an artist, I I could spend a life just painting bluegill, pumpkin seeds, crack. Those fish are incredible. Red ears. They're just all their colors and their heart. They're yep. great fish, especially especially for children to introduce them to successful fishing because. You want kids to love fishing, you gotta put it on some fish. It's just basically comes down to that. <laughs> yeah, the it you have to be seasoned to enjoy not catching fish. <laughs> Which is what we do down here in Texas, we catch a bunch of fish as opposed to what I've seen in Charleston. <laughs> 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 I gotta I I'll, I'll, I'll Paul stepped away, but i I'm I'm gonna have to let him know about this. Um you 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 He got, knows, he's heard it from me. Yeah, yeah, you're not scared. He's heard it. <laughs> Cool. Um, River Horse, I do want to be cognizant of uh, of your time, but um, I did just want to maybe see if, um, you know, if there was a, a message you'd like to leave for anglers um, about, you know, whether it's climate change or just different environmental threats, mining, what what have you. Um, if there's a message that you could leave with them, what would it be? You betcha. And it all comes down to love for me. And I think we need to take care of this earth and take care of each other. And it's as simple as that. But, you know, there's people that say, when should I fish? What tide should I? You need to get outside. It's there waiting for you. You go today. Even if you're a working guy or gal and, and you're at that office space, even if it's dark, you can throw on a little headlamp and go for a walk in some little park near you. Get outside. And it's going to change your life, and you'll just start doing it more and more. But I, mean, I can't, I can't imagine a life without immersing myself with the hips in it every day. So, you guys need to take care of each other, love each other, and get out on this earth. It's a miracle. Yep. Well, I, I absolutely agree. And um, River Horse, I, I really appreciate you you taking the time to to talk with me and. Uh, I think we have successfully accomplished our, our mission here to uh, educate and create a little bit more awareness about what's going on. And um, I just really thank you for um, for your writing. For I'm, I'm really stoked about these new films. Um, Love and Water was, was excellent. And uh, just looking forward to, to seeing what, uh, what you're up to next. Yeah, I've got those films coming out. And if you watch Fly Fish Journal, I've got a uh, a bass coming out in the winter issue that's about to hit. And I think that's going to 
kind of tear down the house with laughter. That's, you know, there's an ebb and flow to my work. I try to write really joyous, hilarious, fun stuff. And then other times I want that deep content and get really serious and far below the skin. And so there's some, some pieces come out in Flyfish Journal and we're doing a another writer on the fly tour that uh, Jason Rolfe, the new editor of Flyfish Journal does. We're going to be in the... So if anybody listens from out there, we're there January 30th through into February, just like Bend, Oregon, Portland, Seattle, Bellingham, up to the British Columbia border. So there's so much fun stuff to look forward to, I tell you. I can't wait, can't wait to see you out there, and hopefully you come through Texas. Yeah, well, I, I, I certainly uh, want to make it out that way, so we'll have to figure out a way to make that happen. But, um, but anyway, again... Thank you so much, River Horse. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I'll uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. You got it, and thank you so much for fighting a good fight. Everything you're doing with your life is what we should aspire to. I really appreciate what you're doing, buddy. Well, thanks. That that, it, that really does mean a lot, so I appreciate that. Okay, take care up there, and tell Paul, make sure he turned on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't record this, I'm going to kick his ass. <laughs> I'll kick his ass anyway. Kick his ass every time I see him. All right, All right. take care, buddy. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And for the latest in fly fishing and sustainability, visit EmergerStrategies.com.